This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones. I am not a suburban mom. I wish I was. I wish I was. I wish I was a soccer mom for the next two weeks because Catholic, the Catholic vote and the soccer mom vote is going to determine this election, or so we are told. But I am a Catholic, and uh, as a Catholic man, you know, the, the, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of information flying around on how I'm supposed to vote as a Catholic. The bishops, you know, they came out with their document with, I believe it was 48 points, 72, I don't even know, countless points. They can't protect our children from predators, but they're going to talk to us about the complexities of food security in Africa and which candidate is best. And then Bishop Barron comes out with, uh, with his own video. And so I thought, we have got to get on the air with this, and I need the best bad Catholic in the world, the author of the Bad Catholic Guides, and the co-author of The Race to Save Our Century, my friend, John Smirak. John Smirak, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Great to talk to you. I'm so happy that you were in the great free state of Texas and, and not in the vast internment camp that they call the state of Hawaii. Do you know, I am going to share something with you. Uh, thank you for that, John. I was... I am comforted to be here, but also, you know, I'm, I'm sorrowful and I am homesick every single day. I miss my friends. And um, yesterday I was at, a, at the oldest dance club. Is that the word I'm looking for? The dance hall. Dance hall, not dance club. The oldest dance hall in Texas. It's called The Green. And it's in New Braunfels. You know, these German Catholics showed up and a bunch of Baptists in the middle of the 19th century started drinking and dancing. And it's the oldest dance hall in Texas. And I was there with my friends, drinking and dancing and listening to live music. And I thought of Simone Vey, because here I was, beer after beer, in a dance hall. But my heart was broken for my home. And I thought, Simone Vey, like, literally starved herself to death because she felt so sorrowful for what was happening in France. And uh, here I am I've drinking. Always, I always thought Simone Vey could have used some Prozac. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know what I thought? Okay. I'm going to, I, Hey, I'm not going to starve myself for you, Hawaii, like Simone Bay, but I will drink, eat and fight for my home state of Hawaii. We need to free Hawaii. Um, but here we are. You are Look, not, I'm, a, from, I'm from New York. I'm from New York city. Think how I feel. I can't even visit cause there are all these quarantines. No, well you can't visit Hawaii either. So there you have it. And here we are in Texas and it's business as usual, right? I mean, like life pretty is much. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Abbott has not Abbott has not really reopened the state, and in, in, in my bishop, uh, the, the churches are still at twenty five percent capacity. So if you don't get on the sign up sheet for mass, you can't go. So I haven't been able to go the last couple of weeks because I didn't sign up soon enough. Yeah, that is bizarre. So I should say, coming from Hawaii, I feel free again. But I listen to all my friends and neighbors here in Texas, and they're complaining. When is this going to end? And I feel like I've already been set free. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this godforsaken election. Yeah, so you um, are not a suburban this. you're not a suburban housewife either, but you are a Catholic man. I I am I am a Catholic man. I'm I'm the most urban of Catholic men. I don't even like to drive. I take Ubers everywhere. But I have made the concession to Texas of getting an AR15 and learning how to use it. So I want to do a sitcom. 
whatever's coming for whatever's coming. I want to write a sitcom on you because you are as New York as it gets. You are like <laughs> I met you in I think what well, I don't even know what borough it was in, but we went to an Indian restaurant. And Ethiopian. Uh, I dragged Ethiopian, the whole group right, of people right. to an Ethiopian restaurant, none of whom had had it before, and made them all eat with their hands. It was wonderful. That's the kind of thing I do. It was a wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but you are as New York as it gets. And here, and, and, and you, John Smirak in Texas is that's a sitcom. We or no, it's a reality show. <laughs> it's surreal. All right, so let's talk about this godforsaken election. Now, I tried to watch Bishop Barron's video with Brandon Vote, and I I did not get very far. Um, I felt like I was swimming behind an octopus that was squirting ink in my face. So um, let, let's just talk about the fact that there are a lot of Catholics out there who are looking for an excuse to vote for Joe Biden. They want more government cheese. They, they think Orange Man is bad. They hate Trump's hair. They can't stand people from red states. They don't like Protestants. They're afraid of guns. They have all sorts of irrational reasons why they don't want to vote for Donald Trump. And they're looking for some kind of principled pretext. And they're, they're kind of looking, some of them, to the bishops. Will you throw us a scrap? Throw, throw me a lifeline. Tell me why I can vote for the guy who favors infanticide, who wants the little sisters of the poor to have to hand out abortion pills, who thinks eight-year-old kids should be able to transition because they're transsexuals. Um, come on, throw me something here. It's like, it's like people around a Mardi Gras float, you know, pull, women pulling up their shirts, trying to get, trying to get doubloons and beads. Yeah. So, you know, so let's go to, I mean, I don't even want to, should we address it with the bishops, their points? I mean, Bishop Barron, when I watched that video, it made my blood boil. And I thought, what is the point of this video? Why are, well, let, know, let's, why even make it? Let's have fun. Let's have fun with it. Okay. Let's I took a lot of notes. I watched the whole thing three times and took notes. So, all right, let's have well, fun. Like, you know, I'm more qualified to comment than you because I have objectivity because I haven't watched <laughs> Okay. Um, I have a disinterested look. But no, but seriously, let's just do a little thought experiment. And in our first piece, on the we on the bishops and Biden, the Catholic case for Joe Biden. It's a six-part series. You and I just finished part three, which will go up tomorrow at stream.org. Um, in part one, we did this thought experiment. What if one of the presidential candidates wanted to reestablish black slavery as it was in 1860, and the other one did not? Do you think the Catholic bishops would do a voter's guide with 46 other issues, you need to weigh in the balance alongside reimposing black slavery. Yeah, I would hate to answer that question. I kind of know the answer. <laughs> well, I, I, would, I would like to think that they would not. I would like to think that they would say reimposing slavery is such a bad thing that it hardly matters which of these, what the candidates say on immigration policy or Medicaid or federal funding for the arts. Uh, the, the fact that one of these guys wants to reimpose slavery is sufficient that you have to oppose him, no matter what. Now, you might decide to write in Kanye West. You might decide to write in Bill Crystal if you want to waste your vote. But you cannot vote for the guy who wants to reimpose slavery. Now, given that, 
just plug in abortion through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason, including sex selection, race selection, uh, handicap, any reason at all. That's what Biden and the Democrats support. What else is there that could outweigh that? And of course, there is nothing in Trump's record. There's nothing in the Republican platform that even begins to rise to the level of, of swimming in the same end of the pool as reimposing slavery or supporting abortion on demand for all nine months for any reason at all. Well, John, can I make it personal? Can I make it? I'm listening to Bishop Barron. I'm listening to Bishop Barron and this video with, with, you know, I'm not, I I have to, I'm so angry because I just watched it again that I want to just pour ad hominems out on these two guys. But, um, you know, they're not my kind of guys. Like I'm not hanging out with Brandon vote ever, never. I mean, I'll, you know, (laughs) Ever. So okay, well, if you were to come, if I were eating cookies, winning. if I was eating cookies at the back of that. church and he comes up and says, hey, I mean, I'm walking away, right? He's just not my kind of guy. I'd smile and be polite and, uh, and walk away. So, so there's Bishop Barron and he, and he, and Brandon's like, you know, that there are those who are voting for, you know, pro-choice candidates in spite of their pro-choice position. But the real problem is those who are voting for them because of their pro-choice position and Bishop Aaron's like, well, you know, and you can vote for them in spite of it. But when you're voting for him because of it, it's problematic. I am doing this podcast. I have a movie out, Divided Hearts of America, SalemNow.com. Go see it. I write with you, right, books and articles for one reason. When I was 17, my high school girlfriend was dragged to Chicago Masonic Hospital, had a forced third trimester abortion, and that shocked me into paying attention to the world around me because the world was cruel and insane. And then for me to watch a bishop say, well, you know, if you're voting for Joe Biden, in spite of his, you know, support for the intentional direct taxpayer funded killing of children up to and past the moment of birth, you know, if it's in spite of that, that's no problem. And as I was listening to it, I'm like, replace preborn child with Armenian, with Jew, with Uyghur. And guess what? I've learned it doesn't even really matter because they do not care about the Uyghur. They do not care about the Yazidi. All they care about, as you said, is using Catholic social teaching as, as a weapon for free stuff for themselves. The most privileged people who have ever walked the face of the earth. And let, and, uh, which would be Catholic bishops. The U.S. Catholic bishops get 40, 40% of their money from the U.S. federal government from federal contracts where they process immigrants and it's mostly immigration related. 40% of their budget, and I'm sure it's gonna be higher next year with all the COVID lockdowns that they sheep-like agreed to so that the collections are way down. So they're even more dependent on Uncle Sam. They want the Democrats to win because the Democrats increase the kind of social programs that the bishops pay their bills with. The bishops pretend that they that they do the, the corporal works of mercy. We serve the poor. We serve immigrants. No, you serve them in the sense that a waitress who's being paid serves you at a restaurant. When you disperse taxpayer money, cream off your percentage off the top to pay the salaries of your vast infrastructure and give it to the poor as a way of buying votes of the Democrats, that is not the corporal works. Of mercy. I looked at Dallas Catholic Charities. I live in Dallas. 50% of their budget goes to salaries. So imagine. Well, Bishop Barron 
got a million dollars in pay, pay, paycheck protection, which means that in three months he spends a million dollars in payroll. That's right. My little nonprofit so reaches more people around the world, I guarantee you, with my movies in the long run than, than Word on Fire. And, I mean, what do they – they should just call it Word on Fire gaslighting on – I mean, gaslighting on fire. The ga, I don't know what they were talking about. I watched the whole thing. And Here's it, what we need, to, we need to realize is that the bishops are just part of the deep state. They are an extension of the deep state like the FBI and CNN and Twitter. They are all part of the same complex of control that soaks us for money and tells us what to think. And if we go along and if we follow them, we deserve everything they're going to do to us. Well, yeah, and who is that? Is that is the one like comforting point? Does anyone really even care what they have to say? But I want to go over point by point for people who are listening to think, well, it's not just about abortion. There are other issues that are as, as big as yeah. abortion, which I would agree. Oh, by going, the way, we're going through all forty-six. We're going through all forty-six other issues in our ongoing series at Stream.org, and we've already done three parts of it. So, yeah, pull out any issue you like, and we can talk about it. And I'll well, be critical well, of Trump of Trump where he's made mistakes. Yeah, you know exactly because we are engaged in politics truly to protect the vulnerable. I mean, if I think of our work together now for over a decade, we have never like written about anything that has anything to do with us ever like what in any way have we ever i don't know if you have in your career i've never written lobbied campaign you know when i was a 20 year old veteran single father working several jobs putting myself through college having two children i was campaigning to get wei jenshing out of a chinese prison i was protesting against nato bombing of civilians in serbia i was Uh, running a pro-life organization. You know what? If I needed more money, you know what this high school dropout at community college did? I took more shifts, waiting tables. I took another job. I added more hours. I worked overtime. I never really thought the world owed me anything. I knew I was blessed. I'm an American. I can make as much money as I need. I can take care of my kids. I got this. I I need to work for the vulnerable. And And our work together has always been that. Um. So war, let's talk, I, there are other, by the way, there were other issues to me that are the same as abortion. Other issues would be where you are advocating the direct, intentional, unjust killing of innocent human lives. So that right. voter so, guide said so. that Biden, his position corresponded to the Catholic Church's teachings on war, and Trump didn't. That's right, Biden, now let's go through that, okay? Okay, because we've got a piece coming out tomorrow at stream.org that talks about that, all right? Um, they, this, there's this website called Catholic Voters Guide, and it's meant to look official. It's meant to look like the bishops are behind it. But in fact, it's five Catholic academics at third-tier institutions just put together a website and made it look official. So you and I are, are basically refuting it point by point. On, on uh, the preventative use of military force. For some reason, Catholic Voters Guide scores Biden as according with church teaching, and Trump is out of tune with it. Okay, but it was Joe Biden who backed the disastrous Iraq war, which Trump opposed. Biden was in office and on board with the catastrophic intervention in Libya. It left the country in chaos, ISIS in control, and black slave markets operating again in Libya. Trump, he was, he was unsure. He, he kind of fell for the, the Libya thing, but he, he wasn't in office to do anything about it. Once in office, he's been far more restrained in his use of military force than any president in 30 years. We have to go back to Eisenhower. 
to find a president who is, or maybe Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter and Eisenhower are the presidents who started fewer, you know, fewer wars. Um, he, he had he did a drone attack on Iranian terrorist leader Qasem Soleimani. It was surgical. It didn't harm innocent civilians. It killed colleagues, Soleimani's colleagues in leading a terror operation. He wasn't drone striking Pakistani weddings, killing the bridesmaids like the Obama administration with Biden fully on board. And that's a true story. He also uh, the, under the John Brennan drone war under Obama hit a birth party in Yemen, killed 36 uh, women. Yeah, right. true story. So then let's look at another one. Look at another one. Um, does, does, do the candidates work to reverse the spread of nuclear, chemical, and biological weapons? Um, the, the Catholic voter guide admits that Biden's position is unclear, and then it says Trump's position is inconclusive. But it cites attacking Trump. It cites the fact that he wouldn't launch a war against Syria to overthrow the government after that supposed use of chemical weapons three years ago, which is totally dubious and questioned by the international community. So we should have gone in and overthrown the government of Syria, and then who would have t- taken over? Well, that's another point. That's another point. Most of the Republican establishment, all but three of the candidates at the Republican debates in 2016, wanted to use U.S. planes to shoot down Russian planes. That's right. To to risk war with Russia in order to overthrow the government in Syria in aid of what they called moderate rebels. That's John McCain's term. Now, those same moderate rebels have turned out to be al-Qaeda jihadists. And they are the people that Turkey unleashed on Afrin, Syria, that are killing Christians, burning churches, beating up and killing Yazidis, forcing women back into into, into, into hijabs, exacting the jizya, torturing people. They're now, those same moderate rebels John McCain wanted us to risk war with Russia to support, are now in Azerbaijan killing Armenian Christians. The Republican establishment was controlled by a warmongering cult that didn't care whether Christians get driven out of whole countries. They, they accomplished that in Iraq, and they wanted to do it to Syria. A million Syrian Christians are still in their homes, and their ancient churches are still functioning because Donald Trump is not a reckless warmonger like the heritage legacy Republican Party and large chunks of the Democrat Party, including Joe Biden. Well, you know, that's what frustrated me about Bishop Barron's video. He didn't even bring up war and um, in a specific way. And, you know, he said both parties don't represent Catholic social teaching. You know, yeah, good point. But, you know, I think the Trump administration is as best as I could have ever dreamt of as somebody who really does take his direction from the church's teaching on the human person. And uh, we wrote a whole book on it. You know, and um, so that's true. The neoliberal establishment, neoconservative, neoliberal, same deal, transcends both parties. Trump stood up to both. And now we have our bishops and um, Bishop Aaron. And then, like you said, these third tier, I don't want to call it the, the, the um, self-professed intellectuals d- using deception from the get-go to make it look like an official, you know, but they were doing what they were, the, the bishops passed them the ball. They knew what they were doing. The bishops knew what they were doing. They created a document and then passed the ball to these folks to make this website, right. to make it look official. But the point, if church militant made, made, uh, uh, made, a, made a website like that, I guarantee you within an hour, their lawyers would be on the phone. These guys, you know, are running with their website. 
But so that exactly. But why? But why would well, Bishop why Aaron or the? Are... But why would Bishop Aaron or our bishops have anything about the persecuted church in Syria or Iraq or Christians in Iran or Nigeria or, or the China. Uyghur or China? What about China? What about China? Well, right. Well, yeah. Well, I they mean, paid us. They, I mean, yeah. Of course, they don't even talk about them. Why would we vote for them when we're not even been informed? Do you know what Bishop? I want to get to this point real quick. Bishop Aaron said right off the top in his little video that he thought it was a good thing that Catholics were split down the middle 50-50 when it comes to elections because it shows the complexity of Catholic social teaching and yeah. you know how nuanced we all are as voters. Absolute, absolute gibberish. He knows that's absolute a lie, gibberish. right? He knows that we're the poorly formed, fallen away cultural Catholics that don't know their faith and they're voting cultural and identity politics and it has nothing to do with their faith. But he, he says, oh, it's do I really believe that those people polled are reading encyclicals, by the way, I'm surrounded by them, literally, uh, a church yeah. document. Do I really think that they're like, oh, you know, I read Rerum Navarum, and I think that I just have to vote for Joe Biden. No, come on. I think the important thing to realize, I mean, here's the historical parallel. People on the Catholic left love to, love to attack Orthodox Catholics and call us Pharisees. Let's remember that the Pharisees were the, the group Jesus came out of. They were the ones who were actually trying to live the Jewish faith, and some of them were self-righteous hypocrites. So let's say the Pharisees were like the trats, okay? They have the liturgy right, they have the teaching right, but some of them are self-righteous and insufferable. I think we'd all admit that. Um, the, the U.S. Catholic bishops are the Sadducees. They are the people who have abandoned large elements of the tr of the church's traditional teaching, just like the Sadducees rejected most of the Torah and didn't believe in life after death. And what did the Sadducees do? The Sadducees sidled up to the Romans. They, they got control of the temple. They got to make money. They got political protection. They had the Roman Empire propping them up in power. So our bishops are the Sadducees. And the one thing that's interesting from the New Testament is Jesus wouldn't even preach to the Sadducees. He held them in such contempt, he sided with the Pharisees against them. He thought the Sadducees were whores. They were hireling shepherds. Whenever he talks about people who do things only for money, when he talks about hirelings, fake shepherds, he's talking about the Sadducees. So I think it's important to remember our bishops dependent on money from the federal government, dependent on large-scale illegal immigration to get that 40% of their budget. If the, Republic, if the Republicans win, and if they were to cut back on government programs, if they were to stop the lawless chaos at American borders, all these bishops' budgets would plummet by 20 or 30%. And that's what they're looking at. They're looking at the bottom line. These are the same people who covered up sex abuse for decades, the same people who treated Theodore McCarrick with great respect when he was the Cardinal Archbishop of Washington, D.C. And even all... though they knew, even though they knew he, he was molesting, he was flirting with seminarians. A lot of them knew he, was, he had molested a boy he baptized as a kid. Cardinal Worrell had covered up for... Uh, a father Zierwitz in Pittsburgh who had been making S&M satanic child pornography in the rectory of his church. And Cardinal World gave him a hero's funeral and kept well, his Well, John, for people who are, are saying that they're the bishops, how can you know the bishops knew? Let me say this. As an atheist, as somebody who was not a Catholic in D.C., 
I, but being in, working for a pro-life organization, and I was around a lot of Steubenville graduates, Christendom graduates who worked for the church and in and around the church and different apostolates. The topic of conversation at every theology on tap, every Catholic get a little get together, was these stories about this 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 lake house or something that McCarrick had, and he would there'd be twelve beds and thirteen seminarians, and and I was hearing this. I was not Catholic. It, it, how how did I hear these stories? And you want me to believe the bishops didn't know these stories? Yet they want us to listen yeah. to them on. Food security, all of a sudden, they're experts. By the way, David Beasley, World Food Program, gets the Nobel Prize. The, the, the US, uh, USAID, under the Trump administration, the political appointees there have been recognized for their relentless commitment to protecting the world's vulnerable uh, that are starving to death because of the COVID shutdowns. And yet that same voter guide says when it comes to food security, Biden, who wants to shut the United States economy down for another year, is in line with the Catholic Church's teaching, but not Trump. Trump literally should have won the Nobel Prize for, if anything, his administration's commitment to feed the world because of these ham-fisted government shutdowns across the globe or starving people from Bangladesh to South Africa. Uh, that these, these these are yeah, but they they want to they, they somehow know who's best on food security. Let's go to immigration because it's something you and I have taken a lot. Right, of but then after that, I got, after that, I got to run. Let's just give it. Yeah, I, I got to run in ten minutes. Um, yeah, immigration. Uh, the the Democrats want to leave the borders lawless and under the control of human smugglers and human traffickers, and they want to continue bringing in millions of low-skill immigrants legally to take away the jobs of black and Hispanic and poor white Americans and illegally to be exploited in sweatshops by greedy employers who are chamber of commerce types in the Republican Party. The, the, the Trump administration wants some kind of control and order imposed on the chaos on the borders. I mean, you, we published at, the, at the stream.org an article by Eduardo Verastiki about how the current situation in immigration is just a dream for child sex traffickers and slave labor employers who bring people in illegally from Mexico. Uh, by some estimates, 80% of the women and girls from Central America are raped on their way into the United States, and you see their, their torn clothes on the rape trees all along the borders of America. Donald Trump wants to impose some kind of order and protection for the vulnerable in this chaotic area of American life, and the Democrats say no, and the bishops say no, because the Democrats want cheap votes. And the bishops want more contracts from the federal government processing immigrants. So, John, what would you say to the Catholic listening who's the, you know, the very kind, gentle, polite person from the Midwest who, you know, was raised in the church and has never been in an argument or a fist fight. And they listen to us talk and they listen to Bishop Barron talk and, and we're just off-putting. And then they listen to Bishop Barron and his, you know, his, his gentle way of like, well, and you got to look at both sides and... Alistair McIntyre and Frederick Nietzsche said, and, and therefore, you know, uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand, blah, 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 blah. And then they listen to us with our passion and our thumos. I know you hate when I use Greek or Latin. And uh, what would you say to them? And when they, they're leaning on I, vo voting for Biden because they just find the Republicans or the Trump Catholics distasteful. I would say if you vote for Joe Biden, you deserve the riots and they'll be back. 
you deserve Antifa storming down your street and burning police stations in your city, which Joe Biden did nothing to stop. He didn't call those governors. He didn't tell them to use the National Guard. The Democrats were calculating that they would benefit politically from the riots, the way they calculated they would benefit from the lockdown, the way they cooperated with the, with the, with the effects of a Chinese bioterror attack on the world. And if that's the kind of if, – if you want to be like, like Bishop Barron and you want to support Joe Biden – you deserve the chaos that's going to come. And you're going to count on people like me and Jason to try to clean up the mess and impose order. But at a certain point, you're going to run out of men with cojones. We just won't be there anymore, and you'll be on your own. Yeah, well, I hope we're here. I think we're going to win. I mean, look, I think we're going to win because we have to win. I have seven children, two grandchildren, and I plan on leaving a better country than was given to me um well john thank you so much for coming on helping us go over tell, right, tell folks how you. we can uh, go to the stream.org and where uh, part three comes out tomorrow on our voter guide and um okay thank you god bless you all right jump off john i'm gonna keep going all right i'm glad john came on to do this i had some big guests over the past couple of days and then it just kept canceling and it was driving me nuts and then i saw this bishop Barron video look i know bishop Barron. I, i've known bishop Barron since he was father Barron. i think i met him first before Bella was done, and he was still he was he was talking about Word on Fire, so I just want to say this is an open letter. This is an open message to Bishop Barron. I think that you got to stop with the gaslighting. You got to stop with the dishonesty. You got to stop using the church. The only thing that you said clearly in your little video on how to vote was how to buy your Word on Fire Bible. Go watch it. Go watch it. The only thing that you and Brandon vote said clearly. Uh, the only thing I got was how to buy your Bible, how great it was. I can remember, you know, it's assembled in Europe and the paper, some of it comes from other parts of Europe and we sold all 50,000 out on the first day. I got that. But you know what? <clears throat> if, if, if I came there as somebody going to vote for Biden, I didn't get anything from you. I'm still going to vote for Biden. If I thought I was going to vote for Trump, I didn't get anything from you. I'm still going to vote for Trump. You said nothing. You literally said nothing but buy my Bible. And as somebody who lost a child to a forced abortion, and as somebody who's worked to defend the persecuted church in so much as I went to Iraq, I could smell, I don't want to say it, burning flesh still, and the rubble in the Nineveh Plains. And I saw my co-religionists in IDP camps. And I saw Yazidi girls scarred who had been raped. And I didn't hear my church say anything. I didn't hear them say anything Useful, except for St. John Paul the Great when we invaded Iraq, not to. I didn't hear them say anything when we abandoned Iraq. I didn't hear them say anything when they were, were beating the war drums to get us to topple Assad. I didn't hear anything from the bishops on our drone war killing civilians. I, heard, I hear nothing about the Uyghur. I see that our bishops, our real bishops in China, being marginalized and treated like crap by the hierarchy and not being heard. Your brother bishops. Then Catholic laity who are being lied to by the media, by the law, and being gaslit by their own bishops. You know, the people teaching their religion classes lied to them in their Catholic school, so guess what? They get pregnant, they get an abortion, they're scarred. Then they go watch your video and they think, I, well, if I'm voting for Biden in spite of his position on abortion, that's okay. You know what? You cannot vote for a Biden because of his position on abortion. You cannot vote for Biden because... Uh, he's a warmonger and a war profiteer. Look what his family has done. James Biden, 
$1.3 billion in contracts. Nothing delivered in Iraq. Then they return a billion. Where did 300 million go? 46 million for a project in Basra and nothing sent. Not even a, not even a porta potty. Now Biden says that he's gonna, he supports taxpayer funded of abortion up until birth. What I think, Bishop Barron, is that you do not believe that abortion is the intentional direct killing of a child in the womb. That's what I think. I think that you, if, if you thought that abortion was a killing of a human person, what are you putting on the same level as it? What are you going to put on the, could you imagine? By the way, you know, the Armenians are facing another, you know, the Turks. The Turks are spending a lot of money to manipulate people as they're crushing <clears throat> They're getting ready to crush the Armenians. And guess what? When John Smirak and I wrote our book, The Race to Save Our Century, we went to publishers. They thought we were nuts. We were like, well, you know, really the point of our book is that we believe that we're heading towards a century that's going to be as brutal or more brutal than the 21st century. And that um, it'll begin in Iraq and it will spread around the world. There'll be genocides, democides, and total war. This was before the rise of ISIS. And um, even our publisher at the time agreed to publish the book, but thought it was over the top. And then the eruption of ISIS as, as, we were, as our book was getting ready to be published. Uh, they were like, wow, okay. And if you read The Race to Save Our Century, and if you go to movietomovement.com and make a donation of $20, you get a book. That just pays the cost, but we'll send you a book. Become a monthly donor. 20 bucks a month, we'll send you a book, and then you give us 20 bucks a month. But we saw this coming. And here it is. Three million Uyghur in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. Three million Uyghur in concentration camps. We know it's a fact. It doesn't sound like you believe it. Yeah, I don't believe it. It sounds unbelievable. American corporation using subcontractors that use Uyghur slaves to make their products, putting little Nike swishes on them. It's a fact. It sounds unbelievable. It's true. They're harvesting organs from the Uyghur. Sounds unbelievable. It's true. What happened to the Yazidi women? Sounds unbelievable. It's true. That there's a black slave market again in Libya. Unbelievable. It's true. That under Obama, over a thousand children died in U.S. drone strikes. Unbelievable. But true. And here we have our bishops just going along with the neoliberal establishment. Go to immigration. I have been writing on immigration now for almost two decades. The same thing. Secure the border. Easy, mandatory verification system so that we, we shut down. We stop luring migrants into a dangerous underground economy where they're exploited. And a mandatory, easy-to-use verification system so that everyone working in this country has the same architecture of legal protection. And I support the DREAM Act. I think we should have had the DREAM Act yesterday. By the way, Trump tried to get the DREAM Act in exchange for the border security. Democrats walked away from that because cheap labor is more important than taking care of our dreamers who are Americans. In fact, they should be Americans in law. But it all boils down to this. I do not think the bishops and the people who work for our bishops, mostly middle-class, upper-middle-class people, white people, never knew struggle, never knew hardship, have pitied themselves, and they are pitiful. I have to admit, they are all. you meet them, they are pitiful. No joy, no life in them. You just look at them and you're like, ugh. Lord have mercy and no love. Love less. 
Who could look a camera in the eye, Bishop Barron, and say, well, you know, if you're voting for a candidate that supports the intentional direct killing of a million children a year in spite of that position, that's cool. But if you're voting for them because they advocate the intentional direct killing of a million children a year, that would be problematic. It's literally what he said. That would be problematic. Yeah, you'd think. you think. So that's all. We've got, uh, what, two weeks. Here we go. Two weeks. America, here's what's the good news. The good news is the chickens may come home to roost. Our thoughtlessness, our victimism, our turning a blind eye to genocide, democide, total war, famine, abortion. You can't keep it in a box forever. What started out with the Armenian genocide, the Bolshevik revolution, spread. The heirs of Russia. Totalitarianism spread. Genocide spread. And then, you know, American boys went off to one war, two wars, three wars, four wars. I oppose the invasion of Iraq. I said, if we invade it, we'll, we'll fail. It'll be a failure and we'll eventually leave. And I said, you know, and, and my, my boys will fight in it. In fact, my oldest son did fight in the war in Syria and Iraq, as did my brother. And those who advocated, I knew wouldn't. So these mistakes we make come home. For all of us, I opposed the war, but then my son went. So, uh, you know, that's it. We are, we're locked down now, right? You, you, in your state, you might be really locked down. But I am, the Jason Jones show exists. I created the show to find a way, to struggle, to find a way to really communicate the interests of the vulnerable. And I'm committed to doing this like I've been doing since an undergrad, um, working to advocate for the people because of no choice of their own, find themselves extremely vulnerable to violence. And when you do that, these aren't the popular causes, right? If you are the cause of the weak, you are not vulnerable. I'm going to end on this story. I was in Iraq and I met with uh, kind of like a princess of a, and I don't, I don't want to, I want to protect her, of a, of a community, of a, of a various, of a, of an ethnic minority. By the way, Iraq is so diverse, so beautiful, so wonderful. And I love all of the people I've met in Iraq. I love them. I can't wait to go back. I'm supposed to be going back in November. Cannot wait. And um, she told me of the story of going to try to meet with the State Department employee to share what her, her people were going through during the Obama administration. And this person looked her in the eye from the U.S. State Department and said, our real focus is LGBTQ issues. I, I, I mean, I heard it. I didn't believe it. And then I talked to so many others in Iraq and I heard it. Then I took a young woman, a Yazidi woman, with a Kurdish woman. And the Kurdish woman, I think, is a far left. She's far left. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But... Uh, this Kurdish woman, but she's a hero, like real hero, like lets herself get caught by ISIS. So as a doctor, she can care for girls in ISIS control. That's like a hero, right? And, um, and she's Kurdish, but if you meet her and you're Kurdish, she'll say she, you're Yazidi. If you're Jewish, she'll say she's Muslim. If you're Christian, she'll say she's Muslim. She'll, she, that's just how she is. She has this instinct to stand with the vulnerable and she'll figure out whatever you are. She'll, she'll say you're the, she's the other thing. 
So I took her and a young woman who had been in ISIS rape camp. Then ISIS cut her open, sewed her up, but don't, don't, we don't know why they cut her open, put her in a rug, put her in the roller in a rug, put the rug in the back of a truck, drove across the desert and pushed her out of the truck. And looking through binoculars were some Peshmerga and they saw Kurdish soldiers. And they saw this carpet come out of the back of the truck. And uh, they went by the grace of God. And this, this young woman is my friend now living in the States. She's my sister. Her whole family was killed. Everyone except for, I think, two members. Her whole village gone. And uh, by the grace of God, these Pesh, these Peshmerga men, these Kurds, they went and they um, grabbed the rug. And what did they find in the rug? In her urine, in her blood, was this young woman, the age of my oldest daughter. And uh, I... And, and, and I met her in Iraq. And then I ended up bringing her to the UN to share her story. And we had to go to this, this UN conference in, on displaced peoples. And I watched as the representative from the Holy See and all these different representatives talked about how the number one cause of internally displaced people in the world is global warming. Then a Muslim Kurd and a Yazidi ISIS survivor got up and said, may we speak? And they said, with all due respect, Islamism, radical Islam, is the greatest cause of internally displaced peoples in the world. And they literally didn't, they literally banged a gavel, said this is over, and everyone laughed. They didn't look at them twice. Now, I would have disagreed with them, actually, and think American foreign policy blunders uh, is, is, is up there. <laughs> Partner in crime, in a way. But uh, loveless, that's, that's my point. Who could bang a gavel? I don't care if they said space aliens, Martians, Martian invaders. You just listen thoughtfully and go, wow, this young woman, she thinks Martians, that must... She must be traumatized. Let's just listen and smile and show that we care about her and look her in the eyes. They smirked, they banged a gavel, and they walked away. That's what I see with Bishop Barron, looking in the camera and saying, if you vote for somebody who supports the intentional direct killing of the child in the womb, if you, uh, uh, in spite of that, if you vote for them in spite of that, that's, you know, okay. If you vote for somebody who, who thinks a million women should have their... Should be should be invaded with instrument of viol- instruments of violence, being robbed of the gift of motherhood, left traumatized and brokenhearted for the rest of their life. If you vote for a candidate in spite of that, that's okay. Now it's problematic, you know. It's it's no good if you're voting for them because they support that. Loveless, that's all. Loveless. If you can make a voter guide to say that Biden is better on war, you're loveless and thoughtless. You haven't looked around the world. You don't care about Libyans, the Yemenis, Iraqis, the people of Syria, our co-religionists, Catholics, Christians in Nigeria, the people of Sudan, in the Nuba Mountains, in Darfur, the Dinka. You don't care. You do not care. You don't care. You don't. Stop pretending you care. Or at least wink at me so I just know you're an out-and-out con. John and I wrote, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry I'm ranting. John and I wrote an article many years ago. I think it was my idea. Sometimes we just chit-chat like, this is an article, let's write this up. 
and I don't remember whose idea it was, but it was, I think this was my idea, preferential option for myself. I said, that's the truth. When Catholics say preferential option for the poor, they mean preferential option for themselves. Not the truly poor. They're not thinking of people starving to death in Africa. No, 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 no. They're not, no. They're thinking about themselves. And what's sad is if you have the ability to write a blog post about the preferential option for the poor and you think it's you, that means you probably have a bachelor's degree, albeit from a crappy, small Midwestern university. Um, and I can say that. You know, John's from Yale. He's, he's, he's an elitist. I can say that I went to Leeward Community College in the University of Hawaii, but I don't go around there thinking I'm, uh, you know, Alistair. I don't, I, don't, I don't go around thinking I'm Elizabeth Anscom, pretending to be so, imagining I'm a public intellectual. Uh, no, what they're doing is they're weaponizing quote-unquote Catholic social teaching to serve their interests, and they're loveless. That's all. How about I end it in here? How about I end it here? This has been another episode of the Jason Jones Show without sponsors because it is pretty political. You better vote, folks. You better vote and get everyone you know to vote. And you know, so long as I have my economic freedom, the Bill of Rights, so long as I have my freedom of speech, my freedom of worship, the practice of my religion, then why, why do I vote? Why do I work in politics? It's to serve the vulnerable because I know I am privileged. It's, it's, it breaks my heart that we have to fight the wolves from our own you know, we're the kings of our own castles in our home. But now, you know, they're Democrat politicians that want to tell us to wear masks in our home. Let's beat back this totalitarian neoliberal assault so that we can go about the business as free Americans, privileged people, serving the vulnerable, looking to like these great people that are working to to meet the needs of those who are hungry around the world, people in the ag industry that are finding the best ways to feed the most people with the smallest amount of land and the least amount of water possible. They're doing a great job. We're feeding more and more people every year with less and less land, less and less water. This is, our, this is what we do. We innovate. We create technology. We serve the vulnerable through the free market. The free market, right? But to serve the vulnerable is to become vulnerable. So that means you challenge bishops, you challenge the hierarchy, the people your own, the donors of my organization admire. Bishop Barron, I'll challenge you when I think you are a threat to the vulnerable, which I do. I do. If I didn't think you were a threat, I wouldn't address you. I think you're a threat. So I'll address you. And your days, I think, of confusing people are numbered. Because of, uh, you can only gaslight people for so long. Right? So that's it. Be in solidarity with the vulnerable to the point of your own vulnerability. That's why I have this show. Register. You should be registered. It's too late, I think, if you're not. And vote. This has been the Jason Jones Show. If you can tell I'm angry, I just watched that video and got angry and called John. Until next time, which I hope is tomorrow, I have a guest lined up. This has been another episode of the Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Ooh.